you miss a place until you're gone. So I appreciate the opportunity to be back before you. My goal is not to be long. So here's a word in the book of Luke, chapter 22, beginning at verse 24. We'll be walking through verses 24 through 30. If you would, please stand as is our custom on the reading and hearing of the Holy Word. Please say amen when you have it. Wait a minute if you need some time. Still here's some pages turning. Most places I'm at, I got to tell them I'm in the ESV, but I'm sure y'all are already in the ESV. Unless you got a few King James only. Is that okay? I'll just make sure. I don't want to get in trouble. Please say amen when you're there. Amen. All right. And it reads, A dispute arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you, not so with you, not so with me, not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. I am among you as one who serves, as one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials. And I assign to you, as my father assigned to me, a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you, as my father assigned to me, a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Pray with me. Our Father and our God, we bless your name, for you are mighty and matchless, and you deserve all our praise, all our glory. Father God, we just thank you, Lord God. Bless your name. Lord, I just pray that this word that you dress me for work today, Father God, to do what you want me to do, to say what you want me to say. Father God, I pray that your word would be clear and concise, Father God, that it would challenge me first uh, and your hearers, Lord God, to draw closer to you, to see you more clearly and to love you more dearly. Father God, I just ask for your word to be proclaimed today, Father God, for your glory. Holy Spirit, I pray that you move mightily on my heart and the hearts in here, that you would speak in areas that only you and I and others know that you're talking to them about. I have not been peeping in their windows, sneaking around their doors, Father God. So what you say to them, you say to them and help them to hear you know it's you. Father, this is my prayer today. Let me say what is of first importance, as Paul said. Let me preach what is of first importance, that's Christ Jesus, dead, buried, and resurrected to the glory of the Father. In Jesus Christ's name, and all the agree, said amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. <coughs> In 2007, Denzel Washington starred and directed the movie The Great Debaters. It was a movie about the Wiley College's uh, victory uh, over Harvard in the 1930 
NCAA championship. And in that movie, uh, Denzel portrayed them as the great debaters, the ones that could not be defeated, based on a true story. Well, as the movie played and uh, the press got a hold of it and they received the awards, some of the people that were portrayed in the movie uh, that were on the team started to come out and to uh, reveal some of the factual inaccuracies that was depicted in the movie. And one of the main things depicted that was a factual inaccuracy was the fact that Wiley never went against Harvard or defeated Harvard. Actually, Wiley had defeated USC in the 1930 NCAA championship as they were the reigning debating champions. And when asked, uh, when they interviewed Denzel and asked him why he made the change, substituted um, Wiley, um, substituted USC for Harvard, he said, to be honest, it just sounded better. It just sounded better. And in essence, what it indicated was that Denzel was saying that by putting Harvard in the place, in their place, it made Wiley seem more like the great debaters. Now, I want to say to you, Wiley is said to have, over a 15-year period, a 75-to-1 win-loss record. Astonishing. Known to win. But because they had not beat Harvard in Denzel's mind, he felt that he needed to add somebody in to make them greater. Saints, if you would just allow me for a few moments, I'd just like to preach for subject of theme from that backdrop, settling the great debate. Settling the great debate. Um, just for background and setting, this book is written by Luke, the physician, the Gentile physician who's writing to Theophilus. Theophilus is somebody who I hope is a, of nobility with a name like the great Theophilus. He's writing to give Theophilus and you and I an accurate account as he puts in his book of Christ Jesus and his ministry so that we could have firm faith, firm footing in what Christ has done. And so in this account, Luke uh, starts to tell us where we are in our subject text about this discussion that's happening 12 hours before Christ would be crucified on the eve of Christ's great victory over death, uh, hell, and the grave. Uh, they're at the table receiving the meal at the Passover with the Lord, and they're, the, they're arguing about who's the greatest. Mm. What happens is, as Jesus says just before our subject text, he said that there's someone at the table eating with me that's going to betray me. And so the disciples go from proclamations of innocence to declarations of grandeur as they start to indicate that they are not the one who's going to betray him while trans, uh, transitioning to declare that they are the greatest. Uh, they wanted to be the MVP, the greatest of all time, the disciple that everybody would look to. Mm. They wanted to be the MVP or the MVD, if you would, the most valuable disciple. Mm. That, 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 that's what they were doing. They wanted to be the GOAT. And so it's interesting how when you start to insinuate greatness, one of the insinuations of greatness is how we start to critique and criticize other people uh, to suggest our greatness as they were doing. Notice they went to saying, because it says that they were asking one another if you are the traitor. So they went to make from making exact accusations about you might be the traitor to saying that I'm not the traitor, but I'm actually the greatest. 
And sometimes that's what we do in the body of Christ. We insinuate our greatness by making accusations about others. We can insinuate our greatness by looking at the lost, looking down on them, talking about what they're not doing, while steadily, subtly indicating what we are doing. Really, we ain't doing so hot anyway, but we're elevating ourselves. Mm. That, that, that's where they are. And now, mind you, you know what the Last Supper was, right? The Passover. Because remember back in Exodus, the Passover was, was what Jesus was doing, this last dinner where they had to carry their meal, where they had Uber, Uber, uh, Uber Eats or Grubhub, their food, so they could go to uh, transfer to, the, to, the, uh, to, the, to Canaan land, right? So they can have this victory over Egypt and be in the promised land. Well, right now, they're at the same position uh, with Christ, the Lord and Savior, this new covenant about to be offered where we, you and I are going to have victory. We have victory because of this, because they are with the Savior, and he's about to overcome their sin and our sins alike. And what happens is they lose sight that they're at the banquet with the Savior. And what causes them to lose sight? Because they desire to be the most valuable disciple. They go from a selfless love to a self-directed love. Mm. See, sometimes in ministry what happens is as believers, we lose sight of what the real call is. See, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about Christ. And sometimes when we, when we get focused on ourselves, we can't celebrate others because what happens is we start to crucify them, insinuating our greatness. And so that's what they were doing. And so Jesus, now it's interesting because he sets them up. You know what? Is it okay if I just walk the text? Because I ain't going to be before y'all long. I'm going to walk this text. Let's just do that. Is it okay? Let's do that. So what Jesus does is, Jesus, here in verse uh, 24, my wife said, just walk the text. She's like, when I do that, just walk the text. So Jesus, now our first point of emphasis, I'm going to give it to you up front. In selling this great debate, what Jesus does is he starts to tell them what greatness is not. Hmm. He tells them what greatness is not. If you look in verse 26, he says, but not so with you. Mm. When he says, but not so with you, what is he saying? He's commanding them. You are not what he's just said before. So what did he say before? Well, he referenced the Gentiles being pagans, unbelievers, or the wicked, or the lost in our context. He's saying, by you arguing about this greatness, you're starting to act like you don't even know me. You're starting to act like you ain't been baptized or had a right hand of fellowship. See, while you focused on your own identity and you can't celebrate others, you acting like you don't know me. You acting like you forgot the grace, my unmerited favor that I gave you. See, and then he says that what, what the Gentiles do, I'm not saying it's what I do or what you do, but he said what the Gentiles, what the laws do. He said the laws, the kings of the laws, he said they want to exercise lordship. He said they want dominion and control. They want to rule you. They want to determine who you are, where you go, and what you know. Who you are, where you go, and what you know. He said, that's what unbelievers do. He's telling them, you sitting right here on the edge, on the precipice, precipice, precipice of your victory, your greatest victory. You're on the eve of New Year's, and what you're arguing about is how you can be notori- no, have gained notoriety, how you can control something, how you can determine what someone does or does not do. See, this happens in our homes. It happens at our jobs. See, sometimes you have husbands, wives, Parents that want to dominate and dictate what people are doing around them. They want to exercise, exercise lordship. And Jesus says, that's not the leadership that we're looking for. That's not who you are called to be. That's not who you're meant to be and what you're meant to do. If you're going to testify about me, if you're going to be a witness for this unmerited favor that you say you're walking in. Amen. 
Mm. So then he says this. He says, so, so they exercise lordship and authority over them. They're just not just controlling. They're controlling them. Mm. So the people in proximity to them. You know, kings have a kingdom. They have a territory, a domain that they're trying to run. So you think about in your house and you think about at work or supervisors that you may not get along with. A lot of times there's this dominion, this thing where they're trying to dictate what you do. And so he says, this is not so with you. This is not who you're meant to be, Gene. This is not what you're meant to do as a husband or as a father in the house. I'm not meant to be this person. I'm not meant to have control over Tiffany or Mackie or Nico. That, that, that's not what he's called me to do. But then he moves over. Now, mind you, what's interesting is these two things that he brings out are really oxymoronic to his character of greatness. Because he said, you exercise lordship. He said, but then he says, moving down, he says, but not so with you. Rather, let the, no, then he says, uh, they exercise authority. And here's what the thing. The next one is they're called benefactors. They want to control, exercise lordship. And then he says, they're called benefactors. Mm, benefactors. So benefactors are those that do things for position, for notoriety. They were considered the protectors and the providers of the land, the God savior, as some of the Roman kings and emperors will, will start to be called in history. One that comes to mind is Charlemagne, not Charlemagne the God, not the Breakfast Club, Charlemagne, Charles the Great. You know, who in the 8th and 9th century said that he wanted uh, to create a Holy Roman Empire. So he merged in with the Pope to protect the Pope to gain a status. And what he did is he went on this terror where he started conquering places, allegedly in the name of Christ. Mm. And what happened is it said this shaped the political and the Christian atmosphere for a thousand years after him. So he called himself Charles the Great. Think about that name now. Problem with greatness there? Any insecurity issues there? No? Any? Charles the Great? Well, here's what we don't find out a lot. So I was doing a little reading on this. I ain't that smart. Actually, it was Charlemagne the God that sparked me to look this name up, right? So, because Charlemagne the God calls himself Charles the Great the God, something he learned in middle school. Now, but Charlemagne now, uh, this king, here's what I, what I think might have happened. Charlemagne's daddy is named Pepin the Short. <laughs> Pepin the Short, come on now. So Charlemagne was like, man, y'all ain't about to refer to me as, as my, my dad. That ain't about to happen. So Charlemagne went to a whole other end trying to gain notoriety. And he started off with his name, Charlemagne the Great. And then on top of it, he tied his sieges into Christ's likeness, allegedly working for the church, trying to conquer nations. Did, this is why this was so dangerous. They're, they're right before the Great Commission when Jesus is telling them about this lordship and he's telling them about this self-centered ambitions to be a benefactor. He's saying, look here, if you only got self-directed love, how can you ever love those outside of you? How could you ever win a community if you can't love one another in here? How are you going to do that? How you going to win somebody when you're thinking about taking my spot because you think I'm about to die? Because in every other occasion when Jesus talked about being crucified, they were greatly distressed. Greatly, now no pun intended, but they were greatly distressed. But on this occasion, when they know Christ is about to be called up, see, they all of a sudden now start focusing on themselves. Mm. Remember when you first got saved, it was all about everybody. 
You couldn't wait to get into fellowship. But once things start changing, God start doing things that you didn't want him to do, and all of a sudden it started to become me-focused. This, this is what happens. This is, this is what separates this kingdom from that kingdom out there. This kingdom says, I love you and I promote you and I support you and I encourage you. I'm not going to make it. I need you to survive, to quote one songwriter. We need each other to survive. See, that's what Jesus is doing. He set them up. He brought Judas on the table. See, they thought Judas was the real problem, not knowing that Jesus was doing this just to reveal them. Because he already knew Judas wasn't going no further with him. It was all about them. And sometimes, you have you ever looked at somebody, they say when you point one finger, you got five pointing at you? Mm, that's what Jesus did. He let them look at Judas and let all five of them hit him at bullseye, pointing the heart. See, while you think Satan is in a Judas out there for that 30 shekels or whatever piece of silver, you got an issue in your heart is what he's telling them. I got an issue in my heart. I got to be careful. See, when, when, when God called me to plant this church in the last three months, see, it subtly crept in on me. It, it wasn't that I was going out to say, I want you to know my name and all that. But it started to happen when I started wondering who's supporting me. Are you with me? Are you trying to see me do better? Are you doing all you can do for me? See, that, that started creeping in on me. But I'm going to show you how God works. See, God set them up like he set me up. Because, see, what y'all really don't know, I was sitting right there three years ago when God gave me this word. Doing communion service. And I thought it was going to be the first message I preached here. But I never knew that God gave me this word that I was going to come back here and preach this text. See, see, God already knew where my heart was at because I was going to need it right now. Three years ago, I was sitting right there doing communion. God said, this is what you're going to preach. I taught it as my last Sunday school. As a matter of fact, if some of y'all was there, Marcel, don't try it. I know you heard the, uh, the introduction before. Uh, but, 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 but that's the point. God is saying, look here, Gene. It ain't about you, bruh. It ain't about Glass House Bible Fellowship. It ain't about that. It ain't about Brownsburg. It ain't about that. It's about what God is doing through Christ Jesus. I'm only in this game because of what Christ did on the cross. And my goal is I need to love others more than I love myself. I need to be walking in Romans 12 and 10. I need to try to outdo one another in honor. That means I need to be first. That's that word outdo there says it's first. Be first in valuing others. That's what God is challenging me with. That's what God wants of us. God doesn't want any more Charlemagnes. And that's what's happening out there in the world. We've had Charlemagnes in front of us on every spectrum. We want to say right now one particular person, but man, that's been going on forever. It ain't just one person. It's been going on forever. It's not a contemporary problem. This has been going on since the garden. So he tells them, your first point of uh, settling the bay, he says, leadership, greatness is not a matter of supremacy. That was the point. It is not a matter of supremacy, as he tells them what not to do. It's not unbridled power. It's not total autonomy. And it's not lordship, self-seeking ambitions. It's outwardly directed love. So now that he's told us what is not, we do, wouldn't it make uh, taste buds? We want to know what it really is. So Jesus says in his second point, he said, greatness is characterized by humble service. Greatness is characterized by humble service. And so as he moves down, he says, basically, I am one who is with you, who serves. 
Jesus gives them a rhetorical question to bring these points out. As he says in, uh, <laughs> in verse 27, this rhetorical question, but for who is greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? And he says, is it not the one who reclines at the table? And then at the bottom of verse 27, he says, but I am among you as one who serves. See, he's indicating to them that I am the master. Mm. It's almost like we were watching Last Dragon and Show Nuff told uh, Leroy to kiss his converse. <laughs> it was almost like, you know, kiss my converse, coolie. Uh, so, because so, he's indicating they have forgotten who the master was. See, with Jesus' disciples, the thing is, what, what made him different, there was a couple of things that made Jesus' teaching different than other masters of their time. First thing was, other masters would, would uh, seek after, would, would be sought after. Hmm. And then secondly, other masters would nominate a disciple to go out and be his own master. Well, we all know that Jesus seeks after us, number one. We don't seek after him, no matter how much we try to say it when I found Jesus. As my wife always said, he was never lost. So, 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 and then the second thing is, Jesus is eternal. Jesus says the servant is not greater than his master. So, what he's indicating to them, why I said show enough, is you need to put yourself in position and know that I've been walking before you, and what the master does is what the servant should do. Jesus said, I am the one who serves. That word serves right there is the Greek word diakoneo, which is the word that deacon comes out of. What he's saying is the leader who should become as the child or one who has no power is the least. What is he saying? Because when he talks about them being the children, when he says this in, uh, in verse 27, he, well, in verse 28, he said, no, it's verse 26, I'm sorry. Verse 26, he says, rather let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. This is the second time he's talked to them about being children when he's talking about greatness. Because greatness has come up to them multiple times while he's been with them. As I said, that word great has been ten times in the New Testament. Five times that word is used in reference to the disciples talking about greatness. Greatness much on their mind? Yes. So he's saying be a kid because in their culture, what used to be true of our culture, is that the youngsters valued and respected and honored the elderly. Mm. See, the thing is, we used to set boundaries, and children knew how to act when they were in the presence of adults. Mm, but I don't blame the children. I think it's some of the adults' fault, really, because adults, you know, it's their job to hold the standard, not the children's job to set the standards. They're to abide and work and grow and then set when they get older. Amen? Amen. I'll, amen, Gene. So, 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 that, 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 that's the thing. See, my daddy's in the room, so I travel with my daddy. I'm always in shape. I always know my, know my position. <laughs> I was late picking him up this morning. He gave me that look. <laughs> and he said, yeah, it's like that. So I knew what that meant. So, 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 but, but the point is that the youngers were, the, the, he was saying, look here, you to be great are not to be the one walking around with honor. You're to be the ones walking around giving honor. You're the ones to be walking around valuing others. Let me ask you something. Who have you valued today? Oh, my bad, because you would value today. We're in church. Who have you valued yesterday? Who did you value at work Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, and Monday? Who did you value? Hmm? Did you value the people that you love, that you like, to do what you want them to do? Who did you value that you disagreed with? 
Mm. How did you outdo them with honor? How did you try to be first to get some coffee for them? How did you outdo your wife in honor? How did you outdo your child in honor? Because mm. if you really look at this, what this, this whole thing gets to is this issue about greatness really is about competition. It's about self-centeredness. And if you think about it, Scripture says there's no law against love. The Bible tells us that love is meeting the object of his love's felt need. So my wife's the object of my love. And if I'm a good husband, it's not me loving her to her doing what I like her to do. It's me doing what's best for her. Anybody here love pizza? Anybody love pizza? I mean, be honest. Anybody love pizza? Can I get a show of hands? You love pizza? I love pizza. Now, if we were to ask pizza how pizza feels about your love, the pizza would probably have a different conversation about your love. And you know why? Because the pizza would say, this dude's love for me is all consuming for me. <laughs> when he loves me, there's none of me left. There's none of me left. It's like Long's Bakery. <laughs> there's none of me left. So, 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 what, 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 so if we're loving one another, some of us are loving people where there's none of them left and they wonder why they're tired of us and, and they feel like they say we're getting on their nerves because we're loving them in a way that's taking everything they got and they ain't got a lot. And they ain't got a lot. Scripture says there's no law against love. So if you flip the script in your house and you look at your mate, I don't care which one of them it is, you ask yourself, what have you done? especially when you were mad and they've gotten on your everlasting good nerve, what have you done that was for their best in that occasion, in that season where you don't want to walk in the room with them? What about that person that's in ministry with you? What have you done that was for their best interest why they didn't play, sing the song you wanted them to sing or hold the door you wanted them to hold or preach the text that this dude is up here preaching that you didn't want him to preach? This is what he's really dealing with right here because he has to hit them with this because they can't go out there and do the Great Commission if they're still tripping on one another. You want to know why the communities aren't transformed or why they're deformed? It's because we ain't loving right in the house. We always say about school, when you get to school and see a kid, you're looking at their house. Well, I would beg to say that the church is probably, the street is probably saying you can tell a church by looking at this neighborhood. I know I hurt you. I know. But it's for the gospel. It ain't about me because this is about me too. I had to speak to three neighbors this week that I hadn't spoke to. Talking about playing a church in a whole other neighborhood. And you ain't talked to the neighbor across the street, Gene. And they've been living here for a few years. How you going to love Brownsburg, Gene, when you don't love Pike? What, what I love about the scripture is that the Bible cuts me first. It cuts me first. I don't never preach nothing that God ain't already sliced me up with first. And a lot of times he pulls out another knife while I'm up here. <laughs> He'll be Zorro me in the back. <laughs> I'm walking out bleeding. Gene, why you living? You don't pull it out. No, I'm dripping. I'm dripping. I'm dripping. That, that's what Jesus is talking to them about because they can't move to the Great Commission. And look, he does it before he goes and gets crucified. Now, why were they supposed to notice? Well, John 13 tells us that Jesus had just washed their feet, corns and all. <laughs> and he tells them, he tells them why he's washing their feet. 
washing their feet. Proper grammar, I'm sorry. While he's washing their feet. Uh, he says, you won't understand this while I'm doing, but when I'm finished, you're going to know. When I'm finished, you're going to know. And then he tells them this. He says, check it out. It's in 13 verse 17. I'm about to hit right now. He said uh, in John, he said, if you know this and you do this, you will be blessed. What? If I serve the person sitting next to somebody look next to you. Look, look, look to your left and to your right real quick if you would. Just look to your left and to your right. If you serve the person next to you, if you know this and you do this, you will be blessed. If you walk in here, the one another's, if you know this and you do this, you will be blessed. So what he's saying in the adverse is, is if you're not doing it, you're what? What's the opposite of blessed? Hmm. What's the opposite of favor? What's the opposite of receiving? Not getting, taking, losing, winning, losing. He's telling these guys, and he says in 34 and 35, he says, I give you to you a new command to this day. And, said, and by this day, we know you are my disciples. They will comprehend. They will understand. They'll recognize and realize. And if you love you one another, not like you love one another, not like you love pizza or a long bakery, long donuts. He said, if you love ye one another as I have loved you, knowing that I don't wash your crusty feet, that you don't walk in out the dirt in, and I even wash Judas's feet, who ain't about to write. Yeah, he even washed can't get right feet, so you ain't got no excuse on why not to wash so-and-so's feet. So, so he said, if you love ye one another, if you love ye one another as I have loved you, there's the qualifier, as I have loved you, as I have loved you, when everybody don't know what you're doing, what you're thinking, what you don't done, what you repented for to them and not to me, to me and not to them, as I have loved you, hmm, they will know you are my disciples. They will know you follow me. We so busy watching Fox, CNN, and MSNBC. I'm talking about me. We so busy watching that, and we blaming who's in office, who ain't, what race, this ain't, all of that. And all those stuff, are, those things are happening. But the reality is, that's another kingdom. That's another kingdom. Jesus was talking about his kingdom. And he said, if we'll do this, we are meant to transform the community. Tony Evans said, not the White House, our house, then the church house. See, the news is really reporting about us when they talk about the troubles in the world. We just don't know it. Because the Bible said that the lost will be lost. But when you look at Scripture and look at his children, we the ones that ain't acting like the script. So in wrapping this up, he shows in selling this debate that had come up before, he tells them that greatness is not about supremacy. It's not about unbridled power. It's not about dominance or dictatorships. It's not about being a benefactor, self-centered ambitions, doing things so people can look at you like, you know, you're the greatest thing to slice bread. It's not about that. It's not about you doing things to get up front. Not why you planting a church so you can be seen so they can put pastor in front of the G-E-N-E. It's not about that. It's not about going to Brownsburg so people know you there. 
because they may not know you right over here. It's not about that. It's not about that. And it's not about Brownsburg or Glasshouse Bible Fellowship and not Solid Word. Truth be told, it's about Solid Word and Glasshouse Bible Fellowship. Amen? And then he says that greatness is characterized. It's characterized by humble service. And Jesus is the standard. He's the standard. Love others as you love yourself. You can see it all through marriages. This right here was settled what's going on in our houses, at our jobs, in our, in our, in our groups we're in, in our neighborhoods. You can look out and say, am I really loving you? Am I doing what's best for you? And my wife always said, it ain't doing what you think is best for me either, because sometimes you got to listen and let them tell you what's best for them. You know what I'm saying? Because sometimes we be like, you know, going to court. It's like a lady getting raped and the prosecutor coming in and talking about the rape. The defense attorney talking about the rape. The defendant talking about the rape and then the judge saying, and the judge saying something, and the judge says case closed while the victim walks out without a voice. The reality is that you could never tell anyone how you've hurt them or what they need until you let them have the narrative, let you let, until you let them speak. You have to give them a voice. So we have to communicate and find out, baby, what is it that you really want me to do? If there was one thing that you'd like me to change, what would that be? What is that one thing? Because let's not be, you know, let's be real. It, it ain't going to change everything. But what's the one thing that is getting on your everlasting nerve about me? Mackie, what's the one thing you want me to change? Give you my car, give me your car, Dad. Uh, what's that one thing? <laughs> what's the one thing? Jesus gives us a voice. But when we come and be reconciled, that word homologeo says, you must say the same thing as he says. You got to let him speak. We got to let one another speak. And as I said in closing, he ends this text in verse 28 through 30, and he says this, You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you and my father, as my father assigned to me a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. There's a lot of theology there. I just want to hit you with this. Jesus ends this tough discussion on a good note with encouragement. Because when he says, you have remained, he's telling them, don't get all down on yourself. You ain't Judas. I'm just telling you, don't act like Judas. He's saying that you are the ones that have done what I just told you. I just need you to keep doing it. Don't, get, don't start tripping thinking that because I'm about to leave or things ain't right because you won't see everybody here that we ain't about to make it like we've been making it. The devil is a lot. Solid word is good. He says, you have remained. You have done, you've been doing what it takes. I just need you to keep doing it. And here's what he says the result of it is. You ain't got to chase the tables on earth for greatness. Because he said there's going to be another table when I come back. There's going to be an eternal banquet in an eternal kingdom with an eternal father and an eternal son and an eternal Holy Spirit with you looking just like them. And you're going to reign forever. You're going to reign forever. This world can't satisfy our insecurities. It can't bring about all our needs. It can't. So he tells them, don't trip. 
I'm coming back again. And he had already alluded to that earlier. He said, because I'm not going to drink from the fruit of a vine until I'm with you again. But they kind of got lost in the, in, the, in the mix up of that. They got lost in translation. But he ends this on a good note. Solid word, I wouldn't be planting a church if God hadn't sent me here to y'all. I'm telling you the truth. And if it wasn't for Pastor Costin meeting me one-on-one every week, talking to me through some hurts that I had in past situations and encouraging me, I wouldn't be here. I'm telling you the truth. I wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for seeing uh, Elder Martin stand up at the beginning of this, when I got here three years ago and, and getting up here like he was a Jamaican, if you're Jamaican, forgive me, uh, getting up here like he's got a bunch of jobs, please forgive me. You know what I'm saying? I know Sister Neva, never at home, always here. I get it, I get it. When I came here, I had kind of lost faith in the church because I had been in situations where people weren't doing what they needed to do. And I was one of them not doing what I needed to do. But I got to watch him serve. And I got to watch you be faithful and stand for the gospel and take the heat. See, I got to watch that. See, I can disagree with you about some things, but my respect and my love are going to stay the same. That's what my daddy taught me to do. I saw you do that. I wouldn't be here if I didn't see that. And I saw y'all. So Glasshouse Bible Fellowship, I'm birthed out of this church, and I wouldn't be here if God hadn't sent me here for y'all to nurture me and to move me forward. Amen? Amen? Keep doing what you're doing. Keep on keeping on. Black power. No. So, <laughs> now let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. <laughs> I ain't take my medicine today, y'all. Forgive me. <laughs> Elder Martin, I'm going to call you up after I pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you love us, Father God. And, and we could never, we could never me- really measure up to, to what you're doing for us and what you've done through Christ. Lord, I just thank you for th- this body of believers, Father God. I thank you for solid word and what you're doing with them and through them and in them, Father God. And I thank you that they're in good hands. I thank you that for Pastor Costin, Sister Lavette, and all the leadership here, Father God, all of those that get up front and serve and do what they need to do for you to be glorified. And I just pray, Father God, as they're moving into their small groups, that, Lord, people will come in there and just love on one another, Father God, and just really give you the glory and just do what God has called them to do. And then we can come and just learn from them and try to duplicate, Lord God, what you're doing through them here. Father God, we just thank you because this is a great place amongst the great people that you've made great. Father God, their greatness is in Christ and they already know it. And so we just thank you for that and pray that you would just bless their families, bless their uh, health. Father God, bless their income, bless their children, those that are here and those that are away at school and those that live in other cities, Lord God. Bless marriages and bless those that are on the retreat that they will bring back nuggets Lord God, that will just lift up this community and shine the light even more brighter in your name. In Christ's name we do pray. In all degrees, said amen. 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 All right. I think I put it in your hands. Uh, What a great message, a great reminder of... Christ's lordship and leadership and his greatness. 
and how we're nothing and that the only way that we are 